Welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast, where we explore innovative ways to enhance your health and beauty from the inside out, sometimes from the outside in. I'm your host, Amitai Eshel, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose, the world's most innovative skincare brand. Today, I'm thrilled to have Elwin Robinson with us. Elwin is the founder of Feel Younger and a passionate advocate for natural and sustainable health solutions. Overcoming personal health challenges, including chronic fatigue, pain, and various infections, Elwin embarked on a transformative journey into the world of health and wellness. He's the creator of New Alpha, Complete Detox Academy, Taoist Health Academy, the Health Coaching Institute, and High Energy Academy, and he's dedicated to help others achieve high levels of health and well-being naturally. In today's episode, we're going to dive into Elwin's approach tackling premature aging, his insight into genetic predispositions in health, and how these factors can profoundly impact skin health and overall wellness, really looking at an epigenetic perspective, genetic perspective, due to his experience with genetic testing, and we're going to talk about some of those tests. Before we begin, I want to share a review from one of our valued biohacking beauty listeners. Synchro Girl, 21, writes, Cycle Thinking Skincare, loved some of the recent episodes, including that on spermidine and Cycle Thinking Skincare incredible source of science-backed skincare knowledge. Uh, love the deep dive into the research and interesting topics. Well, thank you very much. Depends when you're listening to this podcast. We might be just before or have launched our new Youth Daily and Youth Reset that have our NAD precursors and spermidine. So that's pretty exciting. But yeah, thank you so much. If you haven't already, We'd be super grateful if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Your support helps us grow and reach more people with this podcast, with our message. And um, yeah, share, share our journey. Now, let's get into our conversation with Elwin Robinson. Elwin, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Amitai. Yeah. So something I've grown fond of as far as like starting the podcast is, is kind of asking you to describe your personal health journey and how it, you know, led, led to anything that you're doing right now. So, you know, more specifically, uh, interest in feeling younger. <laughs> Yeah, well, the sh short version, I'll try and do it as short as possible. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, both my parents were very unhealthy. My father had chronic fatigue syndrome. My mother had cancer quite a few times, four times, I think I remember correctly, and tumors wow. more often, and she ended up dying uh, about 55. And they were both wow. very much into alternative stuff. My dad had an organic health food store like in the 1980s when that was very unusual wow. still. And you know, my mother was always doing these different detox, nutritional kind of supplement regimes. She also was into hypnosis and she believed that she cured herself of cancer several times with the power of her mind by you know listening to these kind of self-hypnosis tapes and 
doing various things. So that was kind of very much the environment that I grew up in. But honestly, I kind of rebelled against it a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, was living a very normal life and, you know, taking drugs and, you know, drinking alcohol and all those kind of things. But I didn't do very well with it. And by the time I was in my late 20s, I had completely collapsed. Wow. I was unable to work. I had kind of chronic fatigue-like symptoms, although I wasn't diagnosed with it i was just signed off work for a while and i recognized you know i could go down the same path that my father had and i decided that i needed to find a different you know journey and so i got into all kinds of different things like you know detoxification i got into extreme diets i did like a raw vegan diet for a couple of years for instance which i would not recommend but uh, i did it <laughs> there's some benefits to it which is it does cut out a lot of you know toxins although it's not yeah. perfect and for a while i was feeling great and I was feeling so much better. I was working as a chef before, but I was feeling so much better that people started asking, hey, how are you doing this? You know, I, I would get people come in the kitchen all the time and ask me because I worked at like a health food place. And eventually I said, maybe I should start writing stuff down, doing a few little videos. And so it snowballed very organically from there. And before long, you know, I published books and I had all kinds of courses online. I had my own store selling, you know, uh, Daoist tonic herbs and various things. But anyway, so I was doing great for quite a few years, thinking I had all the answers. And then in my late 30s, pretty much 39, 40, suddenly my health started to go downhill again. I was like, I thought I had this figured out, you know? I, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I tried all the things that I'd done before. They hadn't worked, you know, got a bit more strict of my diet and, you know, yeah. back to detox protocols and supplementation and meditation and body work and loads of things, you know, but nothing was working. And I saw lots of practitioners, you know, medical doctors, obviously, to start with. My specific issues were digestive. I was kind of wasting away. I'm, I'm six foot wow. three and I got down to 120 pounds, 130 pounds. Wow. I was like rail thin. And this is not an eating disorder. This was, uh, I wasn't absorbing any nutrition. You know, I was just kind of wasting away. I was full of anxiety. I was depressed. It got so, uh, I was like in constant pain. I had pain around my midsection area. And it got mm -hmm. so bad, I was, you know, really at a point of despair. Like, I mean, this is crazy, right? I was, I was feeling great for such a long time and now I'm stuck and nothing's working. And the first thing that gave me a clue to actually getting better was um, when I came across this genetic testing. Yeah. And, you know, up until then, I would say I felt like an old man. That's why I've called my, you know, the new brand Feel Younger, because I felt like I felt like already an 80 year old. You know, I could barely get yeah. out of bed because I was in so much pain. I didn't have any energy. I didn't have any, you know, uh, confidence. I was like afraid to leave the house pretty much. You know, it was just. Yeah. Uh, work with uh, elderly patients uh, in a residential home in my 20s so I knew exactly what the kind of mindset and behavior and you know how you are when you're in your your 80s and that's how I was behaving I was like oh my god so yeah um, discovering the genetics it gave me some clues to the first time as to what was actually going on with me and I thought it was so amazing because the test results that I used were when I did 23 and me back in yeah. 2013. Uh, I did it with my wife, you know, we wanted to check our ancestry. And mm -hmm. back then I didn't have any of these problems. And then, so I give those same results that I got back in 2013. I put them into the system in 2020 and it tells me you have a tendency towards this, you have a tendency towards this, you have a tendency towards this. And I was like, these are all the problems I've got now. I was like, if only I'd have known back then 
I could have prevented yeah. all these things happening in the first place. And then, you know, I, I, I'm still a big believer in actual testing, you know, so I did blood tests and various other things to confirm these different diagnoses. And sure enough, these were the things that were plaguing me that no practitioner, no medical doctor, no functional medicine doctor, no acupuncturist, whatever, right? None of these people were able to find it, but the genetics were. So to me, that was miraculous. Yeah, it sounds miraculous. So you looked at that data, which is very interesting. You know, I kind of um, had done the, you know, gone gone down the same path where, you know, in the beginning, I'm doing this genetic testing just because I'm interested if I'm like 1%, I don't know, Mongolian or whatever. (laughs) And then you realize that you can pay some money and upload it to a system and get this incredible I would say map of your potential deficiencies to which you need to to supplement for or you know to adjust your lifestyle to to kind of best fit fit for those deficiencies. So was that similar in your case? Absolutely, yeah. And the system that I used, which is now, you know, which I also um, helped to promote, it was very broad, you know. So Yes, it told you about your health risks for over 200 different conditions and pouring through those. I was like, ah, so this is the thing. But it also (laughs) told me about um, toxins that I would be more likely to have an issue with, nutrients that I'd be more likely to be deficient in. A lot of those ended up being accurate. Very specific things like L-lysine and L-tyrosine, you know, vitamin K2, not not the obvious ones that you would kind of think of, you know. Allergies and intolerances was interesting because I got to a state where – Literally, I could count on one hand the foods that I could eat without my body having some kind of reaction to it. And so I thought I had all of these allergies and intolerances. And then I did this genetic testing and it said I didn't have any. I was like, sounds completely (laughs) accurate, right? So then I did actual blood testing, IgG um, Mm -hmm. testing with a couple of different companies. And they both said, yeah, you don't actually have any food intolerances. So that's not what's going on for you. And so that helped me work out, oh, okay, maybe it's actually something else. And it turned out to be a kind of combination of SIBO plus IBS, which is this tendency for, you know, inflammation when there is certain fermentation going on in the large intestine. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, it's so easy to think, oh, I have this horrible reaction every time I have a food, I must have an allergy or an intolerance, right? But actually, you know, that wasn't the case in my case. Um, So that was really helpful. And to be honest, one of the biggest things as well was more personality stuff, which it, you know, also taught about. Like, so one of the things for me is I felt really all my life quite inadequate because I'd been quite, always been quite unresilient to stress, you know, like it wouldn't take much for me to get like overstressed, but I'd say more importantly, it would take me a really, really long time to calm down and like feel okay again. I'd get in Mm -hmm. such a state and I always like really looked down on myself for that. And then when I learned about the COMPT gene, which I imagine you're probably aware of, I, you know, I found out that I was this slow COMPT type and I realized, oh yeah, so I have this issue that means that my uh, my you know i have a tendency to break down stress chemicals very slowly and then the kind of diet and lifestyle is having actually exacerbated that with a lot of flavonoids and very few methyl groups but i do have this ability to focus i have this ability to have high dopamine right yeah which i'd never always taken for granted so just those kind of little things it's just one example helped to me to say the way i am is okay even though it's different from maybe you or someone else and also the way that someone else's is okay right yeah this is a lot of the um the problems that were not problems that that's a lot of the challenges people have around either like insomnia or uh, adhd which is this inability to break down neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. but on the flip side of that you know gary brecker calls it breaking down our thoughts right like on the flip side of that we can stay with we we have this hyper focused type ability when we when we set up the parameters correctly so that's that's beautiful that you can take 
you know, you kind of know the deficiency to begin with. Like, you know, you get stressed, you know, it's hard for you to kind of let go or whatever, but through that genetic testing, it can also show you some kind of light at the end of the tunnel or the, or again, the, the other side of the coin and tell you, well, you could actually use it to your advantage. This is how. It's yeah, really if you understand it, right? Yeah. And it's, so, you know, the I would say the slow con people, they thrive in a peaceful environment and the fast con people, they thrive in a, you know, chaotic Chaotic. environment. And and both are valuable, right? We need both types of humans. We can see Mm -hmm. why DNA or God, however you look at it, has made these variations and they're all valuable. And we can just accept ourselves as we are. We can accept someone who's the opposite as they are and appreciate them for who they are. So I would say other than helping with my health problems on a practical level, I'd say maybe a more profound thing is just a sense of, you know, love and acceptance of myself and the love and acceptance of others and just realizing that we're all different and that that's okay, you know? Yeah. And this is true for diet as well. People get so dogmatic about diet. You know, you must eat high carb, you must eat low carb, you must eat plant-based, you must eat animal-based, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then just saying, oh, a lot of it is just based on genetics, you know? And yeah. again, it's, it's not about who's right and who's wrong, which I think so many people who listen to a lot of these podcasts and summits and they hear like, you know, 20, 30 experts and they all say different things like, oh God, who's right? And a lot of it is not about who's right. It's like, what's right for me? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I think anyone who has a a specific type of um, or a specific person that they think that they're right and everything, everyone else is wrong is, is they should probably consider the fact that there are there there is somebody out there that thinks exactly the same about you or yeah. about the person that you're, you know, following. And, and there is value valuable information in, in all of those people and, and, you know, examine like, why are you, why are you drawn to this type of, you know, whoever, right? Um, professor of information for that matter. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, what will you say as far as like your genetics, you did mention the comp gene, but how did it influence your approach to health and wellness more specifically? Yeah. So what are some of the practical changes that you've made? So, you know, one thing was uh, it showed up in my genetics that I have a tendency towards building up high levels of lead and uh, Uh mercury. And I tested that and it turned out that I had sky high levels of lead. Wow. The kind of reference range was up to three micrograms per deciliter. You know, optimal is at less than one. Mine was at 27 when I tested. Wow. So 45 is the level at which the health World Health Organization considers it as an emergency. But I mean, that's yeah. still pretty bad. So no wonder I was in such a state, you know, not just physically, but also emotionally, right? I was literally yeah. being poisoned. And the thing that's tricky about lead is it's kind of like a time release poison capsule that is stored in your bones, that is constantly leaking into your blood, that is yeah. pr- pr- really hard to deal with. So mercury is also really bad in terms of the damage it does, but it's a little bit easier to get out maybe in mm-hmm. two years, whereas of lead, it is very difficult. But anyway, understanding that, you know, prioritizing specific protocols, which, you know, pr- probably no need to go into and, and getting it you know down to a reasonable level. I think the last time I tested is five, which is still high, but like mm-hmm. I said, it, it just takes a long time, unfortunately, to get laid out. So that was super helpful. I saw I had this genetic tendency to hypothyroidism. I kind wow. of knew about that a little bit. My mother had it. She actually had her thyroid removed. It was one of the cancers she had. And I, I, I looked back at blood tests and I was like, oh, yeah, God, I had a TSH of 6.5, which even from a normal medical perspective is, you know, too high. And I just ignored it. So I was like, okay. This might be what's going on. And as I'm sure you know, when the thyroid is not working properly, every cell of the body is not working correctly Uh because it's not getting enough energy. 
I would love to tell you that I corrected that just with diet and lifestyle, but right now I'm using a thyroid glandular. Uh-huh. I don't intend to be on it forever, but my understanding is I need to actually get everything working correctly again, speed up the metabolism, start getting enough ATP to all the systems of the body, and then my plan would be to, over time, as everything works better, to taper it off again. Well, the, to, to your point, you know, this is something when we talk about the immune system, mitochondria, etc. a lot of the times we need to kind of go through like, uh, you know, to borrow from G- Malcolm Gladwell, like to go through this uh, tipping point of, of ability of the body where mm-hmm. you could have therapies that were, would actually be detrimental because they are stressing the body in a way which could lead to a positive result if the body is resilient. But if it's not, you know, they're, they're not positive. Obviously, we see it a lot in, in skin, whether it is like red light therapy, infrared sauna, hyperbaric chamber, cold exposure, I think is probably something that intuitively everyone knows that could be very good for you. But if your body is not resilient enough, obviously, there are, there, it's detrimental. There are, there are definitely, you know, Goldilocks zones that we want to keep our body resilience wise in when we engage in those therapies. So definitely there is no, I mean, you know, what what you're talking about is the correct way to approach mitochondrial dysfunction and immune uh, dysfunction, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And another one actually, you just said reminds me of it. I have a genetic tendency to high cortisol. And again, Uh this is confirmed by test. And when you already have a tendency to excessive cortisol, if you do things, as you said, like cold exposure, you know, extreme cold exposure, extreme breathing practices, all the stuff that I used to be doing at extreme diets, extreme fasting, (laughs) it all elevates cortisol even more (laughs) and makes you even worse. So that was a bitter pill to swallow that a lot of my extreme behavior that, you know, most people look at it and say, that's great, right? Oh, intense exercise, intense cold, you know, whatever. But actually, it was just making my cortisol even higher, which then imbalances the thyroid and, you know, and insulin and all these other problems. And so again, just understanding that about myself was very helpful. Well, and, and again, going back to that inability to break down something like norepinephrine or adrenaline in the brain for that matter, which raises together with cortisol when we're doing, you know, when we're doing those stressful, extreme tasks, Hmm. that all ties together to, again, like a bad blueprint for you as a human to to function within. Yes. It's something interesting, you know, within that blueprint. So you have uh, the seven-step rejuvenation blueprint, Mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting. What exactly is that blueprint? How do you describe it exactly? Uh, Yeah, Um, I'll try and sum it up quickly again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, the first thing that I look at, and this was really something that I built through my own experience as well as working with other people, like going Mm -hmm. back to first principles and going, okay, I know that every person is different, every situation is different, but what's like kind of like a checklist of, what I'll go through to see what's going on with someone and how they might be helped. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is uh, nutrition. I like to start with that first, not because it's necessarily always the primary factor, but because it's so easy to get a win with someone. Yeah. And you're only as strong as the weakest link in the chain, you know? So if you're uh, lacking something like magnesium or zinc, or even, you know, as I said, one example of me, tyrosine, Right, tyrosine is the building yeah. block for dopamine. Tyrosine is the building block for melanin, which you know mm-hmm. we've discovered recently is actually an energy conductor, just like ATP. Yeah. Tyrosine is the building block for thyroxine. I just talked about thyroid. So 
massive knock-on effects just through one little amino acid that's not even considered essential, you know, being mm -hmm. too low, right? So I, I like to start with that because, and it's the same with skin health as well. Like, is there some kind of, uh, you know, is it glycine or like, is there something, vitamin C or whatever, is there some simple thing that we can do that's going to make you better straight away? So that's yeah. step number one. Stamina number two is toxicity. You know, this mm -hmm. is something that I would say is over-focused on in the alternative world and under-focused on in the mainstream medical world. But I do believe it is very, very important. I think there's too much kind of guessing around it. But as I said, actually testing, finding out, do you have mycotoxins? Do you have, you know, heavy metals? Do you have, you know, whatever? There are, there are other things, even things that are supposed to be beneficial, like Excessive levels of vitamin A is something that I've yeah. dove into a lot in the last year. Any of these things that are innately toxic or you have so much of it that's become toxic for you. Again, if that's not resolved, it's something where nothing else will work. You know. Yeah. Then after that, I look at hormones, hormones and peptides. Sometimes I start first with that because it's so obvious that's what a person needs. You know, we talked about thyroid. And it's very, and it's very hip right now. So, <laughs> well, again, it's the easy win. You know, it's it, yeah. people are so distracted these days. It's very difficult to expect someone to be committed to a long term lifestyle program for health. So, if yeah. something is adjustable in the hormones, again, we don't do this willy nilly, but if we can test and go, oh, okay, you know, this is definitely too low, this is definitely too high, yeah. but then working with a doctor to bring that back into balance. Kind of put peptides with hormones, you know, obviously some of them are both, you know, oxytocin, for instance, right, is uh, like a good one that sometimes yeah. I recommend for people for specific purposes. So yeah, hormones and peptides, then I look at lifestyle factors. So this is all the stuff that everyone talks about, which I agree with, you know, whether it's uh, getting good sleep, reducing stress, more time in nature, sun, grounding, you know, all mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. Uh, look at that. I, I, I think there's probably no point talking about that. I'm sure your listeners are quite sophisticated, I gather. I actually think that, uh, you know, repetition is the mother of skills. So uh, I, I like when we repeat things like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, attitude is a big one, um, yeah. you know, how you approach life, but that's that's actually step seven, so I'm skipping ahead a bit there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, step five is uh, infectious agents, right? Yeah. So this is also very important. This is a thing where, you know, I mentioned SIBO is an example for me. If you have a chronic infection, especially acute infections are kind of easy, right? In that you either resolve yeah. them or you don't, and they're generally best dealt with a medical doctor. But chronic infections tend to be in the areas which are technically outside the body, right? Whether it's the sinuses, whether it's the urethra, whether it's the gastrointestinal tract, whether it's the, the skin, obviously, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, ear canal, all that kind of thing. And so you can have infections there going on for decades, right? And then not realize that they're constantly undermining your health, but they're just there in a kind of dormant state. You know, sometimes they're hidden behind a biofilm or whatever. Uh -huh. And then... It takes the certain amount of stress or a certain amount of toxicity or a certain amount of nutritional deficiency or any of the things that we just talked about. And then suddenly it shows up again, right? And I think a lot of us, we just get used to it, right? We just get used to, you know, a skin flare up or a digestive flare up or whatever. Uh, I know I did, right? I, I um, had this restrictive diet, like I said, for a long time in my 30s. I was feeling great. I thought it was totally normal. It was only later I was like, huh, maybe it isn't normal not being able to eat these foods without being ill. And I see that these days, like with the people who advocate paleo and carnivore, which I'm a big fan of, but you should be able to eat carbs without being ill, right? You should be able yeah. to eat plants without being ill. Now, if you can't, fair enough, right? You've got to deal with where you're at. But 
to feel like, oh, you know, life is great. I just have to never eat plants again. It just seemed like, mm, you know, it's it's ignoring the root issue. Yeah. So looking at those root infections, you know, fungal infections, bacterial infections, all the rest of it, I think is huge. Often they're tied to toxicity. So that's why I like to look at toxicity first. Often they're tied to hormonal issues, like mm -hmm. you mentioned with thyroid in the immune system. So I like to deal with that first. So that's why I put it a little bit later. Yeah. Obviously genetic factors, you know, that would be you know, another important step that we've really talked about. And then lastly is emotions. And I would yeah. say in a way, I leave them till last because people generally don't want to hear it. The last thing that anyone wants to hear is the feelings that they either focus on a lot or repress are maybe at the root of their illness and their issues, but they often are. I mean, thinking of skin issues without revealing anything confidential, I can say the person who I met with the worst skin issues ever, they had like a dry, woody skin that was incredibly itchy that, yeah. um, you know, it got to the point where, you know, they frequently, it was so unbearable, they wanted to kill themselves. It was just wow. horrible for them. Uh, you know, and it was like dry and woody and then they'd scratch it and then it would, you know, bleed. And yeah. but it was just this constant, you know, this feeling, which is really unbearable. And they were... Um, in a terrorist attack, you know, they almost died. So they had this wow. really powerful PTSD. And I asked, when did this start? And, you know, for them, it was afterwards. And for some people, it's as obvious as that, that there was some, you know, big trauma. But for some mm -hmm. people, it's less obvious, right? Maybe they had nice upbringing, nice family and all the rest of it, but they never felt like they could express their anger, you know, or they never felt they could express their vulnerability or something like that. And then just holding that in their whole lives. My understanding, my belief on this is that in order to repress feelings, and just to give a definition of repression, suppression is where you have a feeling come up, but then you go, no, 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 <laughs> you know, <laughs> like maybe you get annoyed with someone, but you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to show yeah. you. That. I don't want to. But repression, yeah. Sorry, but repression is where you never feel it in the first place. You don't even know you have that, you know? Yeah. And so it's very hard to know that. One of my favorite lines from a comedy, Frasier, about psychiatrists is, you know, the two brothers, have you ever? seen the show Frasier? Yeah. Yeah. One of them goes, oh, you're uh, repressing your feelings. He goes, I'm a Harvard-trained psychiatrist. If I was repressing something, I think I'd know about it. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> by definition, right? Yeah. <laughs> but people hilarious. have that attitude. They, 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 they oh, no, I'm not repressing anything. But I often yeah. feel like that's the root. So my understanding is that in order to repress a feeling, especially habitually, you have to have a pattern of muscular tension. So, for mm -hmm. instance, you know, people have a, like this kind of, you know, posture. They're doing that because they're trying to hold a feeling in to not express a feeling. When you have a pattern of chronic muscular tension where some muscles are chronically tense and some muscles are chronically flaccid, what happens is that various veins, arteries, lymph channels, and even organs and glands become constricted. And then there's a lack of blood flow to that organ and gland. There's a lack of blood flow and waste going out of that organ and gland. And after a while, you get dysfunction. So yeah. for instance, for me, a lot of people who feel like they have to be perfect and they have to control everything, they tend to have a lot of tension in the neck. And then mm -hmm. if you have that chronic tension in the neck and the throat, that can lead to thyroid issues. You know, If you have that chronic tension in the abdominal area, that can lead to digestive issues. If you have that chron chronic tension in the pelvis area, that can lead to you know bladder issues. Yeah. And so often... I'm not saying it's usually the cause, but the people I speak to, often it's a root cause because that's why all the normal stuff hasn't worked. That's why just eating healthy, exercising, 
you know, cleaning up their diet, cutting out the drugs and all the rest of it. For a lot of people, that's all they need, you know? For yeah. a lot of people, if they just stop drinking alcohol, they're great, you know? Or, you know, if they just stop eating junk food, they're great. But I speak to a lot of people who are already eating great and, you know, and exercising great and they meditate and they do all of these yeah. things and they're still not feeling good. They're still ill. And there are all kinds of physical causes for it, but I do feel that there's often emotional ones at the root of it as well. And it's, it's indirect, you know, like one way that people are press emotions is obviously on a practical level is by eating yeah right every time you feel bad you eat something and then you know you're overeating you're eating too much you're eating too often you're eating foods that make you feel better but are not nutritional you know all that kind of stuff yeah i think there's there is even something deeper as far as like gaining weight uh yeah definitely the 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 role of eating i mean is is very very primal right it's it mm. is literally the nature's version of success and you're basically like, you know, plugging into that feeling of success. But, but again, like, obviously, as far as we, you know, as, as we know how, how that could be the root of all evil, eating too much, eating the wrong things. I think in, aside from that, the actual weight gain, a lot of the times, there is a subconscious aspect of putting a, a, a more, more material between your hmm. inner sanctum and, and, and the world. It's and, a barrier, um, right? Yeah, it's a barrier. And the yeah. more you have, the more you feel, to some extent, you know, protected, aside from the bad eating. I mean, uh, just a relationship with with weight gain and the fear of, of losing weight and, and self-sabotage, etc. Yeah. Feeling more exposed. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful way to break down, I, I would say, a journey someone can take as far as their as their health journey. And I, you know, that funny enough, you could literally take this seven steps, these seven steps, and apply them to skin health and general, you know, general anti-aging advice. It's just looking at these seven steps and, and trying to extrapolate. But, you know, one of the things that I was very, you know, very excited to have you on for is the ease again of the plug it in raw data of genetics and kind of getting a read out of it. If you could kind of get in, get into what your what is the system that you've that you've been working with and and how that works exactly. Absolutely, yeah. So, I think there's a lot of genetic platforms out there that will you give them, you know, your data and they'll maybe give you one report. Yeah. And they'll often give you like one supplement recommendation, stuff like that. Yeah. So the advantage of those systems is obviously that they're kind of simple. Um, but for someone like myself and probably someone like yourself as well, I might say that they, they're kind of limited. And so what I loved about the system that I, you know, first of all found and then developed is how broad it is, you know. So yeah. in Genetic Insights, there's over 350 different reports in total on all kinds of topics you know there's wow there's over 60 on all kinds of nutrients you know say every vitamin every mineral every major amino acid every essential fat you know wow. um, with <laughs> with allergies and intolerances the report on you know uh the kind of the obvious stuff like gluten and lactose but also on you know uh, oxalates and salicylates and histamine intolerance and all that kind of stuff you know so very broad and you know with the health risks it's again very very broad there's almost you know, yeah. every category and so i wanted to take that system that is very complex and then simplify it and so we do have what we call our limitless package where people have access to everything and you know that gives them you know the the a la carte option i guess but we also have packages where we 
collections, I guess we call it, where we break it down to a specific area of interest or goal. So for instance, yeah. you know, we have one on weight loss. So if you want to lose weight, you know, there's a bunch of different factors that you want to think about. We just talked about them, right? The nutritional factors, the hormonal factors, you know, the emotional factors, um, et cetera. And so we have reports that will break down, you know, each of those that are relevant for that specific collection. And so the area of, you know, skin and beauty, we break down the different, you know, risks for various different issues. So, you know, we have one on, you know, skin wrinkles, skin hydration, skin elasticity, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then because it's beauty and not just skin, we have other stuff like, you know, hair loss and droopy eyelids and, you know, mm -hmm. and then we have skin issues, so psoriasis and highs and acne and stuff like that. But I also put other stuff in there like inflammation, of course, which is a general marker that's going to create an issue. Mm -hmm. Anemia, I include in there because a, a lack of ability of oxygen to get to the extremities, which includes the skin is, you know, one of the things. And just on a very obvious level, when someone's anemic, their skin absolutely looks less attractive, you know, so that yeah. seems like a factor that's relevant. And then some of the hormones as well. So, you know, testosterone and estradiol. I just saw a, a study recently that said that um, women's, uh, they, they measured photos of women in different sections Stages of their of, yeah, yeah, menstrual phase and the time where the estradiol was the highest was the time that they were rated as most attractive by people mm -hmm. who, you know, had no idea. So, you know, this is a factor. Oxytocin is another one that I think isn't talked about enough, but because oxytocin is this powerful vasodilator that gives you this flush, yeah. you know? Normally we think about it in the brain. Like, no, most people don't know that it has other functions in the body aside from the, its neural effects. And what you're talking about here is actually derived, uh, I mean, um, not connected to the bonding effect of oxytocin right yes i mean yeah i'd say it's both but it's a powerful vasodilator so it yeah. very strongly you know boosts nitric oxide so it will just in the same way that niacin will it will create a very mm -hmm. powerful flush of oxygen and nutrients to the extremities including the skin but it doesn't yeah. create the red itchy rash thing that niacin does but it just creates like a beautiful red glow and so people with a ten genetic tendency to low oxytocin they will have that less right and so that's good to know that's something that they may want to consider supplementing with with a doctor's support mm -hmm. also low oxytocin you know they call it the bonding hormone but i actually see it more it's less the feeling of loving which is if you look up oxytocin you see articles about that, that oxytocin yeah. doesn't necessarily make you loving and this is kind of true it's more the feeling of being loved so uh -huh. When someone loves you, how does that feel? And a lot of it is like fulfillment. I would say the opposite feeling of oxytocin is a feeling of emptiness, you know? Mm. And so when you have a feeling of emptiness, you're constantly looking for something to fill it, whether it's, you know, addictive behavior, drugs, food, you know, other people, whatever. Yeah. When you have a big spike of oxytocin, whether that's through a meditation or through literally taking it, you know, whether it's um, uh, uh, intranasally or whatever, you feel fulfilled. One of the mm -hmm. off-label uh, things that they prescribe it for is for addictions and for mm -hmm. overeating as well, because you just feel satisfied. You feel like I'm I'm perfect as I am. I don't need anything, <laughs> you know. And so people with a genetic tendency to low oxytocin, they're going to always feel like they haven't had enough. They need more. And so that's something, again, that will sabotage beauty in various ways, whether you're sucking on a cigarette all day or whether you're eating all day or whatever it might be. And so, you know, yeah. I consider that... Uh, uh, a relevant factor for that reason. And, you know, dry eyes is another one that I would include there. One of the signs of beauty, beauty is when you have a sparkling to the eyes, right? Yeah. But they, you know, they say that really, even though we perceive that as, 
you know, maybe something to do with the spirit or the soul and all the rest of it. On a practical level, it's just hydration. <laughs> you know, if mm -hmm. the uh, if the eye is you know nicely fully hydrated, uh -huh. then it, then a person looks like they have more life uh, behind the eyes, as it were. So these are you know the uh, I guess examples of what we have in the uh, skin and beauty collection. So mm -hmm. the other thing is we give risk scores. So a risk score is you know how likely are you to have an issue with that. Now, of course, it's not a prophecy, right? It's not a guarantee, as you know. Uh, just you know, want to make it clear. And of course, you'll have you know the same score throughout your lifetime, and you may not have the issue throughout your lifetime. Um, yeah. The the issue is more when you are not optimal. Where do the problems show up for you? So one mm -hmm. example for me, you know, we mentioned earlier, sinus issues. I you know that one we actually give a percentage score. So I'm in the top one percentile most likely to have sinus issues. Wow. And so whenever I see that, and I've seen quite a few people's reports now. Whenever they're in the top one or two percent, I don't think I've ever met anyone who hasn't had it at some point. Like you always have it, you know, because it it's so easy. Like all you got to do is eat badly for a little bit, or miss a couple of nights sleep, or you know, have some kind of stress, and straight away it will show up, you know. So for that sinus issue is for me. For someone else, that may be you know rosacea, or it may be hives, or it may yeah. be you know acne or something like that, right? And so it's really helpful to know that. And then the other thing, of course, is what we do is recommendations. So. Mm -hmm. We list recommendations. We tell you the score between one and five of how much evidence there is scientifically that this is beneficial. And then a score between one and five of how much impact it's likely to have to, mm -hmm. to uh, act upon the recommendation. And then the recommendations are listed in order of priority. So we say you're better off doing recommendations one to three than you are doing you know, the next 10. So yeah. again, this is helpful. and. These are different, you know, these are personalized to your DNA. So this is helpful because a lot of, I'd say a lot of the advice you may have heard before. I mean, I'm always surprised, even when I was reviewing today for different skin reports, I was like, oh yeah, I've never actually heard of that. So <laughs> <laughs> there's always new things in there. There's a whole team of dozens of scientists who've put this together. This is certainly not down to me. All I've done is curate the packages, but you know, there's, yeah. there's dozens of uh, scientists and AI engineers who put all this together. And it's so helpful to know, okay, so all of this is good advice. I've heard it all before, but what are the top priorities that I need to actually prioritize focus on? Because I've got limited time, I've got limited money, I've got limited, you know, bandwidth attention. So yeah, yeah, very, very, very fascinating. Hey there, this is Amitai, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose and uh, host of the Biohacking Beauty podcast. I wanted to take a brief moment to share something really special with you, our dedicated listeners. At Young Goose, we've always been about more than just skincare. We are about cellular care. We believe in not just addressing the signs, but truly diving into the very source of skin aging. The reality is, as time goes on, our skin undergoes damage, and this damage accumulates, gradually leading to those signs of aging we all see and know very well. But what if we could hit the rewind button? What if we could delve deep, in, uh, not into the layers of the skin, but into the life-sustaining mechanisms of our skin cells? That's exactly what we're doing at Young Goose. We're pioneering a renaissance in skincare by employing principles from regenerative medicine. By rejuvenating and restoring the cellular functions, our products aim to rewind time, gifting your skin a youthful, vibrant glow. And for our Biohacking Beauty listeners, we have a special treat. 
Head over to yongoose.com right now and use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off your first purchase. Discover the magic of truly transformative skincare. And hey, because we value our returning customers just as much, use PODCAST5 on your subsequent purchases to get 5% off. And the best part that this discount can be combined with subscriptions and our already discounted systems. So why wait? Dive deep into the realm of regenerative skincare with Young Goose and let your skin thank you. Remember, it's not just skincare, it's cellular care. And now back to our conversation. So let's say someone's interested in, in you know, their health and uh, skin health and beauty. Could you give us an idea of a, you know, obviously not naming any names, but a, an idea of a of a report and uh, actionable items? So it doesn't have to be real. It could be a made up person. But let's say someone has wrinkles, laxity, some pigmentation. How would it look like in a report? And how would recommendations look like? Sure. Would you like to share a screen or would you like me to describe it? Well, better describe it because most people sure. will be listening to it. Yeah, so uh, I'll pick facial wrinkles. Is that something yeah, that yeah, yeah. people would be interested in? Okay, awesome. So I have this in front of me. So the first few pages, the first 10 pages or so, are just explaining the science in detail mm -hmm. for those who are interested in it. And also explaining how everything works, all the stuff I just described, you know, what mm -hmm. the risk score doesn't mean it's inevitable, you know, what evidence and impact means, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Then you get to a page that basically gives you a score. So in the case of facial wrinkles, we don't give a percentage, but we say you are either less likely to have them than average, or you are average likely to have them, or you're more likely to have them. This particular yeah. report I have in front of me from an anonymous person, they are actually less likely to have it. It tells you the percentage of this, this that's genetics, and actually 55% of the difference in people's facial wrinkling is likely due to genetics. So that's a big mm -hmm. factor, right? And that's good to know again, because you may be using you know, all the creams and avoiding the sun and doing all the things you think are right drinking lots of water and then you may be jealous of your friend who's smoking and doesn't do any of that and has better you know less facial yeah. wrinkles at the same age and this is just where we can learn to love and accept ourselves as we are and go okay i may have more facial wrinkles but i have you know i don't have this problem that they have right this is mm -hmm. back to that thing again but anyway so that's helpful on the self-love compassion um, end to just understand that. Then it does list all the specific genes and SNPs which actually lead to that prognosis. Yeah. So I'm sure you know what SNPs means, but do you want me to explain mm -hmm. it for the Yeah, um... please, please, please do. <laughs> so simplest possible explanation. Basically, our genetic code is like a series of characters, you know, binary mm -hmm. of ones and zeros. So in genetics, mm -hmm. you have A, C, T, H. And so it could be, you know, A, 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 T, T, C, A, et cetera. So it's like a yeah. huge long list of code. So SNP, it stands for single nucleotide polymorphism. So single meaning one. Yeah. So there's one variation and polymorphism is like a mutation or I just say variation. So it's one variation in that code. And these minor variations, kind of blink if you miss them in this extremely long line of code, will actually mm -hmm. potentially have significant impacts in the functioning of our body because it means that that gene is being expressed in a different way yeah. uh, a lot a lot of the time it's because uh, it makes that particular enzyme or gene go faster or slower but there are you know many other potential ways that it can impact us as well so 
uh, in the report that you get, the one that we were just going through as an example of skin wrinkles, mm -hmm. you know, on that page, it will go through a list of different genes. So I see here, you know, SIC2, TPG, S2, BBX, etc. It's like a huge long list. And then it'll give you a list of SNPs and it'll tell you these are the specific SNPs, you know, so where most people have uh, AC, you have CC and therefore yeah. that's why you have this difference. Um, and so if all of that is like her, the truth is it doesn't really matter it's there for those who are interested in that kind of thing but mm -hmm. understanding it and even being interested in it are absolutely not essential in order to get the benefit of it it's just there it's like the references page you know a lot, yeah. a lot of people will skip it but it's nice to know it's there and you can if you want go and investigate every gene every snip you can learn all about it but the really relevant page i would say other than learning you know your risk score is the recommendations pages yeah and so the recommendations that we give, a lot of them are similar. So if you do it with, say, a family member, as a lot of people do, you'll see that there are similar recommendations. And a lot of the time, the first couple of recommendations are the same because, you know, the best thing is kind of true for everyone. But yeah. the recommendations are still in order of what impacts your genes. Mm -hmm. Sorry what impacts you based on your genes and so you might see for instance in your list you have like you know a, a number two you have a recommendation that the family member may not have until number 10 something like mm -hmm. that so it, it is different depending on uh your genetics it's totally personalized so yeah. in this case i'm just looking at this uh, example person let's call her uh, jane moisturizing the skin is the number one recommendation that she's been mm -hmm. given and I'm sure this is something that you would 100% agree with. And there is yes, you know, and, and and why is that? Is because it's normally the first recommendation. Like your skin needs to be moisturized in order for it to function correctly. Or why for her would that be the first recommendation? So it's going to be because of those snips. But I would guess, um, and I can you know uh, check afterwards and confirm if you like. But I would guess that whoever's report I pulled up, that's probably going to be there because. Yeah. You know, wrinkles fundamentally more than anything are a lack of moisture, right? Yeah. So therefore, um, increasing that moisture to the skin is going to be the number one recommendation. And this is, you know, often the case that, as I say, these first one, two recommendations are kind of more universal. Uh -huh. But then there's other ones. And I'd be interested to hit, you know, there are a couple that I actually wasn't familiar with when I checked this one earlier, Amate, as I said. So I'm sure you will be. I'd be interested to hear your take <laughs> on it. <laughs> so the impact on evidence that's rated for that one is four out of five. You know, often mm -hmm. it's five out of five to the top. So it's again, it's not an absolute guarantee that it's going to be effective, but it's your most likely thing that's going to have an impact. And there is a lot of evidence behind it. Mm -hmm. I say sometimes things in podcast interviews and on my own YouTube channel and stuff like that, which are more in the area of uh, speculation, new theories, new understanding, stuff like that. Not in our reports. Everything in our reports is 100% science-based. You know, every regulatory agency could check it and go, yep, okay, you're allowed to say that. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> very, very, very mainstream and down the line and scientifically supported. Yeah. Um, even when there are things that generally like people like you and I, we would all agree that this is helpful. If there is not, if there have not been studies to show that it helps, not just in general, but with a person who has a specific SNP, then mm -hmm. we won't include it. And that's occasionally the case. There will be things that are universally beneficial for a specific issue, but that we don't include in there because there's never been any studies on how it impacts people with certain genetic variants. So mm -hmm. you could say it's a limitation, but the reassuring thing about it is that 
you know that every single thing in there is backed by scientific research. None of it is speculation or assumption. Um, Interesting. And every recommendation has, you know, numerous uh, references that you can click and you can see the study that it's referring to. So a lot of people don't care about that. They just want to feel better. But for those who do, that's, you know, reassuring um, to know that's there. Yeah. The second recommendation this person has is avoiding cigarette smoke. Again, given this has been given a, an impact and evidence score of four out of five. This is pretty obvious, I would say, you know, the... Yeah. Um, the circulation being the primary thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. Smoking impacts circulation. That's why, uh, you know, gum disease and, you know, um, those kind yeah. of dental issues, same thing. It's circulation to the extremities. And of course, all the toxicity in cigarettes has got to go somewhere and will often come out again through the skin. So it's a double whammy there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so having moderate sunlight exposure. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a bit more controversial. I know this is a mainstream perspective. I know that there are some people more on the fringes that you and I might congregate with. <laughs> I'm a Tay who might say, yeah. that, oh, you know, if you're at the right level of health and if you have no omega-6s in your system and all the rest of it, then the more sun, the better. But certainly for the average person with the average state of health, it is true that, you know, excessive sunlight will prematurely age the skin and cause skin wrinkles. Yeah. And then we have uh, light therapy for the skin. Again, something you need to be careful with, as you mentioned earlier. But you know, recommendations here are UV light, red light, and potentially laser therapy. Mm -hmm. And then you know, explains how it helps with facial wrinkles. Gives a specific recommendation here: CO two laser is more effective than ERYAG laser, especially for deep wrinkles. Yeah, yeah. and the AG laser, yeah, probably. <laughs> so then, next one is radio frequency microneedling. Then the next one after that, I'll skip through these now because there's loads of them. Avoiding air pollution, topical retinoids. Mm -hmm. Give some recommendation specific ones. Which one does it recommend? Probably tretinoin and uh, and uh, retinaldehyde. I don't know which one. Uh, yeah, tretinoin, isotretinoin, and tazarotene. It's the one I haven't heard of. Yeah, tazarotene. Yeah, personally. I am a little bit skeptical of those, but again, it's mainstream recommendation. Me too. Uh, I think <laughs> this is what what we're seeing here is is definitely mainstream uh, recommendations for those. But I think in general, this is a good avenue to explore and know what are your what things you should ask next, because obviously you're not gonna, you know, you're it does again when we talk about genetic testing and and the results. What what we are getting is is kind of our you know, minimum do this or don't, and the maximum you really should not do a lot of whatever that is, or you should avoid excessive exposure to you know fill in the blank. And and I think this is a um, a good way to invest in something one time to get your your parameters of where of operation, as we say in the military, mm -hmm. where you should operate within which uh, parameters. And then obviously you can explore things that are that are more individual for you in 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 the short term. Like for example, you mentioned uh, you mentioned microneedling with radio frequency. So you then you someone can can tune into a bunch of the podcasts where I talked about you know what should we do if we really are interested in in microneedling? What should we avoid? Like if we want to do radio frequency, what are the pros and cons? So, and yep. so I love that the person like you says, yeah, this is this is kind of what where science is today. That's the majority. Obviously, you can be on the fringe and look for some answers yourself. But this is what science tells us, which is, I think, uh, again, what what's magical about it is really it's a one time investment, which is which is really cool, you know. So 
you know, talking about that, what is the process of uh, getting a read like that? Does someone has to send you their own cheek swab? Can they upload raw data from, you know, we mentioned 23andMe, so I don't mind mentioning it again. How does it go? Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, I just want to say, you know, one of the reasons why, as I said, I've created these collections is to make them much more affordable to people. Yeah. So, you know, we're using a company, you know, the team of scientists and AI engineers who it's several hundred dollars usually as a entry point. Yeah. Whereas with this, you know, beauty skin health collection, we're making it available for $55. So we want to make it super, super affordable. That's the key thing. And if you have an ancestry report that you've ever done and you have access to and you can log into and you can download your raw data 23 and me at the time we're recording this they seem to be restricting that temporarily really? um yeah that's smart uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i had a client um inform me of that a week ago rather upset and i was like okay so i'm, I'm just saying it's now um we can't guarantee it with them but again if they pretty much anyone's data if you get it from them, you can upload it to our system. We'll process it. A few hours later, we have your results. That was one oh. of the reasons why I decided to try it in the first place, because I was used to, you know, sending off test results or, you know, waiting two weeks to speak to someone and then waiting three weeks to get test results back. I was like, oh, I can get all these results in, you know, a few <laughs> hours. Fantastic. So now if you have never done one of those services before, then you're in for a bit of a wait. I'll be honest. So you have the choice. You can either... You know, in our system, if you if you choose any kind of collection and then you go to cart, it will say, would you like to add a DNA kit? And you can mm-hmm. say yes or no. It's as simple as that. Beforehand, I was encouraging people, you know what? Feel free to get them from someone else. I'm very happy for you to con- you know compare your customer experience with them, with ours. After the incident with 23andMe, I'm now saying, you know what? If you want to be absolutely sure that you don't have any issues, it's probably better to get the DNA kit with us just, you know, because we will always let you explore your raw data. We will never, you know, restrict that for mm-hmm. for any reason. It's your data as far as we're concerned. In fact, we don't have access to it. You know, it's in an encrypted state and only the person who logs in, you, has access to that. Uh, so we treat it very differently. So anyway, yeah, if you need to add a DNA kit, we'll ship it to you. You do a cheek uh, swab thing. Uh, you send it back and you know it could take anything four to eight weeks something like that pretty much Mm -hmm. the same with all the services as far as i'm uh aware but as i said you can then take that data and you can try you know use it with any other company if you wished yeah i mean beautiful and and um so again it's so simple even if you had to wait a little bit again it's something that you then can apply from that one action to the rest of your life really that data is with you to to stay and again obviously you can have you know you can if you're interested only in wrinkles and pigmentation and laxity fantastic but obviously other things may arise later on which then you could say you know let me get access to you know do i can i convert folic acid to folate or whatever that is you know so and and then look at that five genes that uh, that contribute to that so i think it's it's a Again, it's a must uh, for anyone who's interested in their health. Elwin, before we kind of head out, uh, I would like for people to understand what is the best way for them. Let's say they listen to this podcast. Where can they get more information if they wanted? Or what steps do they need to do next in order to basically sit in front of a report that explains everything that we covered here today? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. If people want to go to geneticinsights.co slash beauty, 
they can see the specific collection that we've talked about today, mm-hmm. find out more about it. Or if you just want to go to geodeticinsights.co, you can find out about our limitless collection that gives you, you know, full information about the whole thing. And if you want to add the coupon code YoungGoose at checkout, mm-hmm. then we're happy to offer all your customers, uh, subscribers, viewers, <laughs> uh, 25% <laughs> off their purchase of, as I said, they're already very low price of $55 if wow. uh, they want to go for the uh, skin, hair, and beauty collection. We, uh, honestly, we do this partly because a lot of people do upgrade to the Limitless when they see yeah. how good the information is. But I understand for a lot of people, it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a leap to go straight into spending, you know, a couple of hundred dollars on, you know, like a a full genetic thing, and they just want to test it and see how accurate it is. Mm -hmm. I personally have been blown away by the accuracy of it. As I said, for me, for people I've gone through it with, I will say the only people who I see where they have a lot of high-risk health issues where they haven't manifested in their life is actually people like yourself. So mm-hmm. I've been through it with a lot of health gurus and teachers who've been, you know, doing this a long time. And then, you know, I'm like, you have a genetic tendency to this? They go, no, don't have that. But then when we <laughs> but then when we look at the recommendations, it will will be, oh yeah, I already do that. I already do that. I already do that. So that kind of uh, explains it. But whenever I speak to quote unquote a normal person, someone who's not completely obsessed with yeah. you know, health practices and all the rest of it, generally by the time they're in their, you know, 30s, 40s, they have had at some point or currently have most of the high risk uh issues you know and so it's really helpful to know that as i say even if you don't have the issues all the better because you can prevent ever having them you know Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who don't have the issues they say yeah i don't have that but you know my sister and my mother do or you know like something like that and so it gives a warning there is a potential for this but usually the solution is simple you know we're never recommending drugs or surgical procedures or anything like that as you saw it's it's uh the the recommendations are in three categories dietary lifestyle changes and supplements that's it you know so there won't be a recommendation for cocaine for any in <laughs> any of the uh <laughs> low energy cocaine uh yeah again um and everything's going to be in our show notes everything that you just mentioned the website straight up link to the beauty collection but not only uh, again this is i think the lowest cost of of preventative care that you can have i mean you're yeah. literally you're going to save on, you know, let's say even like something like an omega-3 supplement, you know, it's $60 per per month, per bottle, per two months, you know, you might not need it, you might need it. Again, we talked about folic acid, you might be taking something that's bad for you, and you don't even know it. And you're spending, you know, $10, $20 every month on something that is actually causing more harm than good. And that's just very, very low hanging fruit example. So we mentioned retinoids, that could be something that you're handling very well and maybe you're not pushing the limits enough or vice versa, by the way. So again, uh, super, super important. Elwin, I, I super appreciate the time that you gave us today. And hopefully through this podcast, uh, we've gotten some people to take a, char- a real charge of their of their skin health, but overall health as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your audience. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Take care. Thank you.